All right, Godly Men Lesson 7, The Godly Father. And we'll probably step on your toes. Don't be offended. We're not trying to. And if it, the shoe fits, hurt it, or it's like uh, wear it. One man said, if I'm stepping on your toes, your feet are in the wrong place. So move your feet. Uh, some of you will probably look at this and say, man, I wish I'd had this 20 years ago. Don't beat yourself up. Help your children or your grandchildren. Uh, but for those of you that still have parents, this should help you. It should tweak things. If you have grown children, you can maybe pray for them along these lines that they get this stuff in their heart. And because we honestly, we see we're losing our generations. It, it's an easy thing. Every generation is the worst generation there has ever been. That's how, that's how degradation works. Everything we're watching is the worst it's ever been. I'm saying that now, and I said that when I was in college. This is like the worst it's ever been. And now I'm saying it. This is the worst it's ever been. And now we have teenagers sneaking off, getting pierced and tattooed. Uh, when I was in high school, they were having sex when they were 12 years old. It's probably just more prolific now. I mean, can you imagine a 12-year-old little girl having sex? A 12-year-old little boy. And my understanding is they're engaging in sex in our middle schools now. That was going on when I was in college. So God help us as parents to be better. So let's look at this. Families are the fabric of society. Fathers are the leaders that hold the individual threads together. I like that. I came up with that. Fathers are the, thread, the leaders that hold the individual threads together. So if families are the fabric of society, then fathers are the leaders that hold these threads together. If the father fails, the threads unravel and the fabric becomes threadbare. Your responsibilities as a father are greater than you may ever know. Amen, amen, amen. Let, let me just pause here and say this. Fathers, your children are the greatest thing you've got next to your wife. They're your greatest responsibility. You ought to be investing all your time, all your effort, all your energy in your children. That's why God gave them to you. Maybe they were accidents. Maybe you weren't planning on having a children, but you got one. It's tough. <laughs> You're stuck with it. Do the best that you can. Because your job as a parent is to raise up your children for them to go way further for God than you ever did for God. Your job is to raise up your children as an arrow, as the psalm says, uh, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, that one day you'll let them go. You'll draw back the bow of life. You'll let that child go. And your aim is that they don't go and they go behind you or they go off to the right and kill somebody. They go straight and far uh, for Jesus Christ. If they don't, we're going to show you from some scriptures, it's your fault. And that's the kind of the part that might be a little painful. But we're not here to soften this thing. Softening this thing has ruined our nation. We've got to put some reality in you, some fear in you to raise up your children. If your children don't go further than you, you failed somewhere. I hate to rub that in your face, especially if you are, uh, your children are grown, but that's the truth of the scriptures. So what you can do now is pray for them and say, Lord, have mercy on my grandbabies. Uh, Lord, let my, my son, let my grown daughter get back in the things of God. Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on my son or daughter. I would also add this. This is kind of a scary thought. In studying the whole entire Old Testament, you don't find many parents who are successful. David was not successful. Saul, he had Jonathan, but Saul, you know, Jonathan went on to do pretty good things. You don't find many successful men who are successful parents. You don't hear anything about Peter's children. You don't hear anything about Solomon's kids. Eli's kids. Aaron's kids. Adam and Eve's kids. One killed the... I mean, this is a difficult thing. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. I can honestly stand and say, even in modern Christianity, I can't think of many 
great men of God who are on the worldwide level who have had successful children. Billy Graham has. He's one of the very few. Ken Hagen Jr. is doing a pretty good job. Lester Sumrall's boys, not so much. So this thing is not for the faint of heart. So we have to be very, very mindful that our children, we only have them for 18 years. And you get them for so many hours a day. You got to be praying with them. You got to be investing the word in them. You got to be teaching them. As I've said before, I probably need to add it to this curriculum. Maybe I say it later. Your children should be your best disciples. Just as we're to make disciples for Christ, you should make your children your disciple for Jesus Christ. That, of course, means you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and you know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so this is not for the faint of heart. But let's go through this now that we got it all quiet and somber in here. Let us see what the responsibilities of a godly father are. We could say mother, too, because these scriptures will apply to mom. We're going to look at basically the parent or the godly father as the leader, uh, the teaching example, uh, the trainer and the disciplinarian. Those are really your four jobs as a parent to be a leader, a teaching example, a trainer and a disciplinarian. Nowhere in the Bible does it say be your child's best friend. That's right. That's where we in America get this thing really goofy. You want to be your three-year-old daughter's best friend. Not going to happen. You want to be your little boy's best friend. Should never happen. Right. They don't need a best friend. They need a dad. Right. They need a mom. Amen. And I, I, as pastor, I watch a lot of women become kind of weird and yeah. syncophanted with their little girls. It's creepy. They need a mother. Let them have friends at school or in the church. But they need a mother. And they ought to revere their mother. They ought to revere their father, knowing that at any moment this thing could turn to a spanking. That's got to be the constant fear in your child's heart. At any moment, this thing could turn to a spanking. And that'll put reverence in your child. Just like I know with God, at any moment, this thing could turn into a rebuke for me. They shouldn't get so cozy, comfortable with you. You'll violate some of these scriptures we have to look at here. So you're not to be your child's best friend. You're to be the parent, the father not just a sperm donor, a father. Not just a little best friend that paints toenails together and does ribbons in the hair, a mother. But I am trying to emphasize on the godly father part. So let's look at our first little section here, the father as the leader. 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. One, talking about a, a godly man in the local house of God, one that rules well his own house. So that's talking about men. You rule well your own house. Some men need to learn how to rule better. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. You could almost take the word child out there and put the word soldier. Because it, it almost, into the American mindset, it almost seems out of place. A child in subjection with gravity? That sounds a little rough. Maybe you're just a little soft. Having the soldiers in subjection with all gravity says children, having his children, having his children. It doesn't call them his wife's children, <laughs> his children. You got to take ownership. These are my children. They possess my DNA. They have my features. They have my attitude. And we got to get it fixed in all of us, starting with me and then going to them. So having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now the word subjection, there is a military term, it means there's no room for insubordination. That's how you have to rule your children. Talking about ruling the household. I know this is not very Benjamin Spockish, which was a deviant psychologist that ruined America back in the 70s. 
His son grew up to be a homosexual who committed suicide. Great job, psychology. Aren't you ripping it up? We're dealing with the Bible. I think we've got the lovey-dovey thing down pretty pat in America. What we don't have down is the discipline, the leading, the subjection. With all gravity in the, in the Greek means that they respect you and revere you. Gravity, uh, it doesn't mean 9.8 meters per second squared, what keeps us on planet Earth. Gravity, the other word is venerability. That's another word we're not so familiar with. But it means you have behavior that can and does demand respect. So basically it's saying your children respect you. They don't talk to you any old way. When they do, you wash their mouth out with soap or you swat them on the bottom. And you say, you don't talk to me that way and you don't talk to your mother that way and you don't talk to any adult that way. And you teach them gravity. Let your hand hit their bottom at 9.8 meters per second squared. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So this passage is talking about a man who wants a leadership position in the local church. If he can't first take leadership in his home, why would we give him leadership in the house of God? Because if you can't rule four and five-year-olds, you're not going to rule 45-year-olds. And if you're a pushover for your nine-year-old little girl, you'll be a pushover for the Jezebel who wants to come hijack the church. You can have no respect of persons. You must respect faith and you must respect sin and sin gets dealt with with rebuke. It's just like for me, I'm not concerned. My wife is, my wife is already telling me, honey, please make sure I don't become one of those weird moms with our daughter. I said, honey, I won't let you. I said, I don't let you get away with anything now. Why would I let you get away with that? My daughter will be spanked when she needs to be spanked. She'll be disciplined when she needs to be disciplined and she will be taught to respect all the adults. She's not here yet, but she's in for a rude awakening. <laughs> That's how it's got to be. The father is the head of the household and he is the ruler over his children. Let me, let me add this as I'm thinking about it. I think our great fault as, as parents, and it's just flesh, we think there's no child as good as ours. That's just the pride of being a parent. You don't understand. That's my little girl. That's my little boy. Yes, and they're the biggest problem in my Sunday school. Yes, and they're the biggest problem in the kindergarten class. Yes, and they're the biggest problem in middle school. And I, we have this blind, numb pride that says, not my child. And now our teachers can tell you, parents will take the side of the bratty child over their teacher, over the principal. And now they threaten lawsuits. And we're wondering why our kids are growing up to be meth heads, prostitutes, drug addicts, criminals. The folks that are robbing houses right now are 19 and 20 years old, 22 years old. The same ones police officers are telling me, I hope you homeowners shoot them. So the police in our town are saying, I hope somebody like you, sir, when we got robbed, will shoot one of these kids. That's what we detectives are hoping for because it's out of control and we just can't get a hold of it. We're hoping that you shoot these 19 and 20 and 22 year old kids. That's the status that we live in. Don't contribute to it. If your child fails, it will be your fault. I can't, I can't soften that up. I can't buttercup it up. I can't cotton candy it up. If your child fails, it will be your fault. Now, for those of you with adults, with adult children, we're not talking to you. We're talking to those that still have possession of your children. Because maybe you didn't get this teaching 20 years ago. But if your children, now they're 3, they're 4, they're 10, they're 12, if they fail, it will be your fault because it will be your job to train them. Just like if our troops go overseas and they get killed very easily, it will be the military's fault for not training them. And if you go on a job and you operate a forklift and you stab somebody with it or a truck with it, it will be your trainer's problem because they didn't train you. Kids don't raise themselves. 
That's why God gave them to parents. Kids don't raise themselves. The Bible says stupidity is born in the heart of a kid. And mom and dad's job is to purge that. And you don't purge it by being their best friend. Because you know how it is with your best friend who's your age. You look past their things. You just love them for who they are. You can't love your child for who they are. Who they are is a mess. So get after it. (laughs) Yeah. Children are to be led and brought into subjection to the father's leadership. Children are born innocent. They're born with a sin nature. They don't know anything. They will become whatever you permit them to become. They will grow. But just like a good horticulturist or a good bonsai tree guy, you take the wires of discipline and the wires of life and the wires of the scriptures and you bend them and show them how they're supposed to grow. You don't let them sit in front of a video game 24 hours a day. You sit them in front of television to learn or you sit them in front of those textbooks to learn. And if they want to do something outside, you bring them back in to what you want them to do. Children are to be led. Children don't have the Holy Ghost like you and I do. One of the greatest, uh, probably one of the more despicable things going on in the body of Christ right now is among people of our kind of doctrine, they're getting into teaching children to prophesy and teaching children to be prophets and teaching children how to flow with the Holy Spirit. And my first thought is those kids can't even wipe their hiney yet. Those children don't even know how to say yes ma'am and no ma'am yet. It's a big movement to teach children to be boys and girl prophets. How about teach them to wipe their nose, to cover their mouth when they cough, to not be a me firster at the water fountain, to prefer their brother or sister. How about you teach them how to get down on their knees and pray first rather than putting familiar spirits in them? They have to be led. You, parent, are the Holy Spirit in their life. You, parent, are the know-it-all that must know it all for your child's life. Don't think they can do this on their own. They'll emulate whatever they're around. That's why children grow up speaking whatever language they're born in. You put them in Portugal, they speak Portuguese. You put them in Japan, they speak Japanese. You put them in redneck, they grow up speaking redneck. You put them in a house full of pornography, they end up touching their friends where they don't need to be. This thing is very, very difficult, very, very dangerous, and very, very severe. And we've got to have God's help to be a good parent in this day and age. A father who cannot subjugate his own children is unfit for ministry or any other type of leadership. The children should also be taught a reverence for their father. That doesn't mean you're a dictator. That's the balance side to all this. It doesn't mean you're a dictator. It doesn't mean you're a jerk. It doesn't mean you beat them every time they blink wrong. We'll get into that more here with the the teaching example. But they've got to have a reverence for daddy. They've got to know that if daddy says, I'm going to get spanked, I'm about to get spanked. If your children are comfortable talking back to you, you have failed them. You have not spanked them or disciplined them. If your children can easily make fun of other adults, you are a royal failure as a parent. Again, I, I can't pull punches on this. And, and you guys know I love you. I know, you know I love your kids and whoever may get this CD later. This may be a brutal, rude awakening, but I'm not a psychologist. Thank God for it. Amen. Psychology will not save your children. Thank God. Only Jesus Christ in the scriptures can. Uh, Next verse, 1 Timothy 3.12. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. So even for deacons, they got to rule their children well too. 
A godly father rules his children. I'm sorry if that's not American. I'm sorry if it's not psychology or if it's progressive, but that's what the Bible says. This is a military term describing an officer. That's who you are, Dad. You have the office of Dad. Has all of his soldiers organized under him. Organization. Imagine that. Dad's organized. Children are organized. Dad helping Mommy organize. No room for laziness. Having his soldiers or his children organized under him without any room for insubordination. Same word for rule as in 1 Timothy 3, 4. Titus 1, 6, talking about bishops and elders once again, qualifications of mature men of God. If any be blameless, talking about the man, the husband of one wife, no polygamy, having faithful children, uh uh-oh, so your children should be faithful, not accused of riot or unruly. This is all King James. Riot talks about... Profligacy, that's a fancy word. Riot is also the same word for prodigality. That's another fancy word. It means they waste stuff. They've not been taught respect for material things. They've not been taught how to respect other people's possessions. They've, been not, they've not been taught how to take care of their toys. They've not been taught how to take care of their room. They've not been taught how to take care of their clothing. That they're basically spoiled brats. That's what the word riot is. The word riot there, to me, says Paris Hilton. When I first started studying a couple years ago, I thought, this is Paris Hilton. She's just squandering mommy and daddy's wealth from the Hilton, you know, wealth and hotels. And anytime she makes a mess, their money bails her out. And we have parents that do raise little diva Paris Hilton. So we're getting better at it because I keep stomping on it every season that comes around. Your children are not to be divas, especially your little girls. They're to be daughters of the Most High God, handmaidens of the Lord, not fornicators with expensive clothing. A success, unruly means you won't submit. A successful father will develop faithful children. These are children full of faith in the things of God and faith for the things of God. I'll brag on Brother Brett here. We ought to be able to use people in-house as examples. I'm glad I do. Bob, Miss Bobby was telling me, Ethan, she was praying with Ethan the other day. Ethan's six, six now. So little Ethan's praying because Brett and Bobby have taught their children how to pray. That takes time. So little Ethan, six, he's praying in English, and all of a sudden he stops and says, let's just pray in tongues for a minute. <laughs> and then he stops and prays in tongues and then goes back to praying in English. That's, yeah, he's not a perfect kid, but he takes his lickings and he keeps on ticking. How many kids have you ever heard stop mommy and say, let's just pray in tongues for a moment now? <laughs> not only is that anointed, it's really sweet, too. Instead of saying, no, mommy, I want to do what I want to do. Let's just stop and pray in tongues for a minute. (laughs) To think that he got spirit filled before he was six. (laughs) That's awesome. These children are full of faith. These are children full of faith in the things of God and faith for the things of God. It is your job, fathers, to teach your children respect for the things of the kingdom. You should be teaching your children to tithe. This is not about money. This is about your heart. I grew up Baptist and I even got my own box of envelopes every year for the tithing for every quarter or whatever it was. And I was taught how to give offerings. You ought to teach your children to tithe. I love it. We have little children that will come and give us offerings. We have children that tithe in children's church. This is teaching your children the things of God. If they'll tithe on a $5 Christmas present, they'll tithe when they're making 500 grand a year. If they'll steal a nickel from God when they're children, they'll steal $1,000 from God when they're an adult. 
So you've got to be putting these things in them. It is your job, fathers, to teach your children respect for the things of the kingdom. Riot refers to wasteful living, prodigality. Unruly refers to a lack of respect for authority. These folks that are in jail now, 1920, in fact, I just heard this week we ran into another one of our former youth that, or children that was here when I was in college. It's amazing how many of our former kids in our children's church we're now running into in our jail system. Well, it's because they were brought to church, but their parents didn't come with them. And so their lack of respect for authorities, which gets you in prison, you don't respect police authority or judicial authority, that was taught to them at home because they weren't taught authority on all levels at home. Unruly refers to a lack of respect for authority. If your children are guilty of either, you are responsible. You can't blame the teacher. You can't blame the pastor. You can't blame Yo Gabba Gabba or Phineas and Ferb. You got to look to yourself. Amen. Amen. So that's the father as a leader. Fathers, you lead, you lead, you lead, you lead, you lead, but you yourself must have leadership in you. And if you're born again, you do. And if you're a father, it's automatically on you to lead your wife and to lead your children. Let's look at the father as a teaching example because I'm running out of time here. Deuteronomy 4, 9. Only take heed to yourself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. So this is Moses talking to Israel about the things of God. He said, take heed to yourself first. Paul comes along and says the exact same thing in the Gospels, excuse me, in the epistles. And, and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that you've heard. That's the Bible stuff, the church of God stuff. And lest they depart from your heart. Notice it. that's saying that the things of God could slip out of your heart. Though you were raised in a spirit-filled church, though you were brought up in the things of God, if you don't take heed to yourself, Father, they can slip out of your heart like water out of a cup with a hole in the bottom of it. Well, what's the best, play, best way to keep them fresh in your heart? The Bible says, teach them to your sons. And for you grandparents, teach them to thy son's sons. That means you've got authority over your grandkids, which is awesome. Your children, your grown children may be a little rebellious. Get your kids, your grandkids for a weekend and say, we're going to show you how Papa does it. We're going to show you how the things of God work. And then send your grandkid back as a missionary to your own kid. Lord, I may have missed it when I was raising my own kids, but I got grandkids now, and I'm going to redeem the time. Because you still have authority over your grown son or your grown daughter. If they get upset, say, watch it, boy. You may be grown, but I brought you into this life, and I can still take you out. <laughs> A godly father must first take heed to himself in his own Christian walk to keep the things of God from slipping out of his heart. Just because you once serve God does not guarantee that you will always serve God. Your child must see your lifestyle as a living example. I want to be like dad. Daddy does it. I want to pray because daddy prays. I want to read my Bible because daddy reads the Bible. If they see you having a Bible, I want a Bible. I want a Bible. Can you read me the Bible? Or maybe Sports Illustrated is more important. Or maybe some hobby. Now you've got to be a living example in front of your children. What are you doing, daddy? I'm praying. Can I pray? Sure. What are you doing, Daddy? We're going to tell them about Jesus. How do you do that? And just by your lifestyle, you teach and convert your children. I don't, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings or put you down, but really, it ought to be an easy thing for your children to get born again by age four, five, six. Spirit-filled by age five, six, seven, if they see you living it out.
But if they see somebody in their life more spiritual than you, something's not right in your home. If they see somebody pray more than you, something's not right in your home. If they say, oh, no, you need to pray like pastor prays, then obviously I'm, they're around me more being spiritual than they are around mom and dad being spiritual. They ought to see mom and dad being more spiritual than anybody because they live with mom and dad. Mom and dad ought to be the one teaching them how to pray. Now, we will here in our classes, and we'll teach them the books of the Bible here, and we'll teach them how to get spirit-filled and even maybe pray with them, but they ought to be seeing you do it, and they want it for themselves because mommy and daddy. That's the cool thing God put in the heart of a kid. They want to be just like their daddy. Hopefully, that's a good thing for you. They want to be just like mommy, and hopefully that's something worth being. If not, then maybe you as a parent should come up as a Christian. Because remember, if your children fail, it will be your fault. You ought to be teaching your children, this is drugs, don't do it. This is homosexuality, resist it. This is how you rebuke a devil. This is how you get somebody born again. This is how you believe finances in. This is how you get sickness out of your body. I remember when I served a church down in Key West, there was a God church. The little girl, I was working with the, uh, Pastor Robert PR, the, the youth pastor, and his little girl fell and hurt her knee really bad. She's probably four. She ran in instantly crying. Oh, oh, daddy, pray for it. Pray for it. Pray for it. And he just, he just a little scrape. He laid hands on it. All better. And then she took off again. Okay, I mean, just trained for prayer. Daddy, if daddy prays for it, it'll be okay. I was raised nursing. Don't go to mama because she's going to put methylate on it or peroxide or <laughs> potassium benzoate, some preservative and stitches and... I wasn't taught to run to prayer. I was taught if something got hurt, we were going to get shots and needles and incisions. And now I pray. And I'm going to teach my kids how to pray when something goes wrong. Your child must see your lifestyle as a living example. Dad, if your heart departs from God and your zeal for him fades, no amount of preaching or teaching will convince your child to serve God. You will lead by your lifestyle. That's the same thing with Lot. He used to serve God and used to serve the prophet Abraham. But he went down into Sodom and Gomorrah and took a political position. And when he decided to get his heart right with God, when the angels came and said, this place is going to be destroyed, he starts preaching to his daughters and his sons-in-laws. And the Bible says to his sons-in-laws, he seemed as one that mocked. They're like, when did, when did father-in-law get religion? Well, who is this Jehovah? And they didn't believe him. But he'd wasted all those years. He lost everybody in his family even his grown daughters that were virgins that weren't after they got him drunk and had sex with him. So Lot was the failure. Abraham's children were not. Even Ishmael served God. Isaac, of course, became the, the father of the patriarchs, moved on down to Jacob and then, then the 12 patriarchs. Deuteronomy 4.10b, And I will make them, see, this is the continuation. If you teach your children, I will make them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the earth and that they may teach their children. So that's a promise. If you'll teach your children, fathers, God said in Deuteronomy 4, I will make them hear my words. That's an awesome promise. You teach your kids about God. You don't have to worry about them getting it or not. God said they will get it. That's a wonderful promise. If a father will live for God and keep his word active in his heart, then when he teaches his children the things of God, God promises that he will make the children to hear his word and they will learn to fear God all their life. More than a child needs to learn about God, a child needs to learn to fear God 
There's a big difference. Your child needs to learn to fear God. Honey, we don't talk that way because God will not permit us to. Instead of just stories, we're not against stories, but explain the heart of the fear and the reverence behind the stories. Why did Jonah get swallowed? Son, daughter, you don't want to get swallowed by a whale, do you? No, daddy. Then the best thing we have to do is obey Jesus when he tells us to do something. Yes, daddy. Like Brother Hagin would always say, before he'd spank his children, he'd show them from the word why they were about to get spanked. He'd take them to the word. This is not religion. This is saving your children from prison time, rape, drug addiction, and hell. Amen. There's a big difference between learning about God and learning to fear him. Let me add this. Just dropping your kids off at church is your kid learning about God. But you being a godly father at home is your child learning to fear God. Because they're going to see how you fear God. How you interact with God. How you cry out to God in times of trouble. Don't think that you just dropping your kids off in our schools or classes around here is going to make them awesome. We'll do our best to. But it's no guarantee. You have them more than we do. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. I'm going to the Old Covenant for this because this is talking about, this is when God first introduced the Word. He wanted to make sure Israel walked with God all their generations. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Notice it doesn't say, in Sunday school shall be responsible for making your children Christians. And the Christian school that you're going to because you're afraid of public school will teach them to your children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That's four times that you have to talk to your children about God, as in all day long. (laughs) A godly father is also responsible for teaching their children the things of God. You are to be a diligent teacher of the things of God. God is to be the center of your home, not Xbox, not football, not baseball, not some sport. Don't teach your children that sports are more important than God. Reverend Ray Bench was telling me, And I loved it. He almost got choked up on it because he shared a story with his son, Nate. Nate is now Dr. Barclay's pilot or his co-pilot. We got to meet Nate at Straight Talk this week. And uh, he said, you know, Pastor Chris, growing up, raising my boy, all the other parents in our church, Dr. Barclay's church, made me look like a horrible parent. Because I taught my son and daughter, we don't skip church for nothing. There's no sport more important than Jesus Christ. There's no hobby more important than Jesus Christ. There's no sleepover more important than Jesus Christ. He said, and all their friends in our church were off playing football and hockey and soccer. And they'd win state champs and they'd win divisional champs. And they'd come and Dr. Barclay would hold their trophy up. And there I am feeling like a heel because my boy doesn't get to participate. He said, but then things grew up. And all his friends got pregnant out of wedlock or ended up on drugs, or are now divorced, and now my son's the pilot for the prophet. Wisdom is justified of her children, and there is no sport more important than the house of God, and no vacation worth skipping over. You can, you can come out against vacations, but, you know, when your kids are out of church 15 Sundays because grandma, grandma is not important than Jesus Christ, not more important, not at all. Jesus Christ takes precedent. And now Nate Bench is traveling the world with Dr. Barclay as his co-pilot. He's 21 years old or 22, a young kid. Because he was brought up in the house of God. And from a young age, his heart saw the things of God and said, I want that. I want that. These other kids, all these other strange idols were put in front of their eyes when they were 7 and 8 and 10 years old. And their hearts as a 10-year-old said, I want to be a ball player. You're never going to be good enough. Come on. I want to be a soccer player. You're never going to be good enough. 
I, I want to be a hockey player. You're never going to be good. Come on, let's be real about this. Wisdom is justified of her children. And I'd much rather have my kids have no trophies on their wall and eternity in their heart than a wall full of trophies, a pregnant girlfriend, and a meth habit raised in a spirit-filled church. Wisdom is justified of her children. I was drugged to church every Sunday as a Baptist kid. No option given to me. And it was in RAs, Royal Ambassadors, as a 10-year-old. I saw a missionary. I said, I could do mission work. I'd like to go overseas and tell somebody about Jesus. Because I, I played soccer, but we never skipped church for it. Back then, they still reverenced the local church. Now they don't. God is this to be the center of your home. You are to speak of his things at all times. This passage even gives you some pointers as to how to teach your kids. Where? At home. On a walk. When? At bedtime. First thing in the morning. There's always never an inopportune time to tell your kids about Jesus. Go fishing with them. Talk about Jesus. You're on a walk. Talk about, on vacation. Talk about Jesus. If you're going to backslide, at least pray in tongues and ask the Lord to repent. Forgive all you guys and repent for skipping church for some stupid football game. Father, forgive us for being backslidden Christians to pursue an idol of the land, of the heathen of the land, much like the children of Israel were forbidden to take upon the idols of the Canaanites because he knew that they they would steal their heart from him. And Lord, we're allowing football to steal our heart from you, but forgive us because we're pursuing scholarship. (laughs) You understand, Lord, you're not our supply. Scholarship is our supply. And so, Lord, since your hand is short and slack concerning your promises, forgive us this once as we pursue a football scholarship. (laughs) Awesome. That's how we live. That's how we sing Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. But we live a different way. And we teach our children to live that way, too. Yeah. (laughs) You guys are eating it up. A child's home is meant to be their greatest realm of learning. That means you guys got to be awesome teachers. The father is a trainer. Got to move along here. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Doesn't say drop him off at daycare, expecting them to get better. We're not against daycare. Doesn't say drop him off at Sunday school, expecting that, that to make him better. It says you train up your child. You train up your child. Training takes discipline. Americans don't know much about training anymore. It's evident by our lifestyle. We want everybody to do everything for us and we don't want to take responsibility. But when you train, you have to teach responsibility. You're responsible for throwing this javelin further. You're responsible for bench pressing more weight. You're responsible for running quicker. You're responsible. And a trainer has responsibility upon them to teach whoever they're teaching responsibility. Training is not just teaching. Training is you teach and then you practice. You teach and then you practice. You teach and then you drill. We're not just disseminating information to our kids. We say, all right, honey, we're going to pray. This is how you do it. And their prayer life will just naturally evolve. Then you teach them how to read the Bible. And you teach them how to tell their friends about Jesus. That's training. It's not just knowledge dissemination, but training. Train up a child in the way he or she should go, and when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Training is hands-on teaching through instruction and practice over a period of time. Simply raising your kids in church does not count as training. I'm sorry. We believed the lie. We thought we raised our kids in church. Raising your kid in church is not the same as training. We have kids that were raised in this church. They're still lost causes. There's no such thing as a lost cause. They're just living for the devil right now. Raised here but not trained here. Raised here, but not trained here. 
Because you're not supposed to be necessarily trained here. You're trained at home. That's why we have so many of our former kids in the jail. The ladies tell me almost seems like almost every month, hey, we ran into another one of our kids in jail. Awesome. Or in Sparta. Awesome. Born again, spirit filled on our van ministry for five and ten years. Now local turnstile of law breaking and jail time. Simply raising your kids in church does not count as training. You are to train your child. Do not depend on the Sunday school teacher. You must teach them through instruction and practice. This takes time. Only then will you be able to claim the scripture. When he is old, he will not depart from it. I hear a lot of parents want to claim that. Lord, I trained them. And I would say, did you? Or did you just bring them to church? Did you spend time in prayer on your knees with them? Did you spend time in a Bible study with them? Did you teach them right from wrong? Were you faithful to spank them? Kids are so, I mean, really, they're easily programmable. They're very easily programmable. And and if they're not doing what they should when they're 19 and 20, you failed to program them in the gospel. So you've got to take advantage of this. And it takes consistency, consistency, consistency. Ephesians 6, 4, I'll read it in the Amplified in the King James, talking about a child as a, a father as a trainer. Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. King James says, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So provoking to wrath means don't exasperate them to resentment. Don't irritate them. Fret not your children to anger. These are all different translations. Don't overcorrect them or make it difficult for your children to obey. Don't overcorrect or make it difficult. You know, some parents are so double-minded that it rubs off on their kids and now good enough is never good enough. They cut the grass, but they didn't cut it the right way. So you spank them for not cutting it the right way, though you never told them to cut it the right way. This is the balance of you got to train, but don't be a dictator. Train, but don't be a jerk. Train, but give them hope. Give them, give them goals to shoot for and then reward them when they get there. Don't make it difficult for your children to obey. And the other thing says don't produce a lasting bitterness. You can actually produce a lasting bitterness in your kids uh, by being too brutal on them. To nurture is the Greek word padia, to train a child into becoming an obedient and useful citizen of the community, including the development of character, self-control, and courage. If your children are scaredy cats, the word padia means you should train them to be courageous. That's pretty cool. The Greek word padia, to train your children to be useful citizens of the community or the kingdom of God, and you train them up in how to care for themselves, self-control, and courage. Your children should not be scaredy cats. Your children should not be terrified of things that go bump in the night. You should train them to get over this. But I deal with adults that are scaredy cats, and I know they were trained to be scaredy cats, or their scaredy catness was permitted and not dealt with. My children will eat worms, they will eat dirt, they will eat bugs, and they will not be afraid of anything because I will not permit it. The only reason girls are afraid of bugs is because moms are afraid of bugs. I've trained my wife to deal with bugs on her own because I said, honey, if we're going overseas, you've got to deal with it. And I'm not having you squeal like a girl at 2 a.m. because a cockroach is in your hair. Deal with it. That may seem a little brutal to you, but we've got things to do here. I don't got time to be an American. I've got other things to do. 
Padilla also includes physical training and grooming. You should teach your little girls how to shave their legs when they need to, how to use deodorant when the cycle starts happening. Little boys, when they start going through puberty, you got to have this conversation. Don't expect the perverted sex ed teacher at the middle school, who's probably a pedophile, to do this for you. It's a pretty proven statistic. Most health ed and sex ed guys are perverts because they're teaching young girls about sex and you think they're not getting bombarded by familiar spirits? Teach, not every teacher is full of God. In fact, the teachers I went to school with, well, some of them were full of God. A lot of them were floozies. And those guys, you think just because they turned 30, they stopped being sexual deviants? Come on, let's wake up. Admonition in that verse. Nothusia, literally to put all or in the mind, to put a place in the mind, to instruct, to counsel, to warn. Instruction with a view to correcting a person's actions or attitudes, advising someone of the dangers their actions entail. That's the fear and admonition of the Lord. Father, you're to do this. You're to actually literally put in your child's mind what they're supposed to think. Son, what were you thinking? I don't know, Daddy. Let me tell you what you're supposed to think. To instruct, to counsel. It's instruction with a view set to correcting a person's actions or attitudes. Your job as a parent is to deal with your children's attitude. Some of the times they don't need a spanking for what they broke. They need a spanking for their attitude. The breaking's no big deal. The the failing to do something's no big deal. It's the attitude that we got to deal with. Attitude puts you in prison. Attitude gets you fired. Attitude gets you a divorce. So deal with the attitude. If they break something, sometimes it's just an accident. You don't have to spank them for that. But if they broke it with an attitude, swat them for an attitude. And if they stand and have an attitude, swat them for the attitude. Well, they've done nothing wrong. You don't know how the Bible works. They growled at you, spank them. Ah, that is me saying, Mommy, I hate you. Spank them. Unless you want your child to grow up to hate you. If they growl at you when they're three, they'll growl at you when they're 33. And they'll be a child of shame, according to Proverbs. So, you got to deal with attitudes. Advising someone of the dangers their actions entail. we got to do that. Real quick, fathers disciplinary, and we're going to do this in like three minutes. Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which have corrected us. We gave them reverence. Shall we not more rather be in subjection to the Father's spirits and shall live? For verily for a few days they chastened us after their own pleasure. Just as we are taught to expect God the Father to correct and discipline, your child should expect you to correct and discipline them. Should be expected. Discipline, when done consistently and properly, will produce reverence in your child's heart for you. Children who are not disciplined grow up without a respect for authority. You are entitled to correct after your own pleasure. Just make sure you're consistent with what you want. Dads, you're to be the primary disciplinarian, not mom. Not mom. Now, if you're a single mom, you got grace. I'm not talking to you. Dad, you're to be the primary disciplinarian. And it says in that verse, you can discipline according to your own whim. If you want things hung up this way in the, in the garden shed and they don't, you can spank them for it. Somebody else may not care how they're hung up. Just put it away. I don't care. Somebody may want their lawnmower taken care of a certain way. They don't do it. You can spank them for it. Somebody may not care how the lawnmower is taken care of. Somebody may expect the, vac- the carpets vacuumed every week. If they don't, spank them for it. Somebody doesn't care if they don't vacuum. You're allowed your own flavor here. Everybody's got a little bit different thing in them. If your dad was in the military, God help you because it's going to be a lot stricter. If your dad's a hippie, God help you because your life's going to fall apart. Amen. So discipline involves spanking. The father as a disciplinarian. Let's look here. I gave you all seven Proverbs that talk about spanking. According to the Bible, if you're not spanking your child, it is because you hate them. That's the book of Proverbs. 
Here are some biblical facts about spanking. If you spare the rod, you hate your child. The more you love, the quicker you will discipline. So if you count to three, that means that's three seconds you hate your child. That one goes over real good. Or you just love your rump in a chair more than you love your child. Don't let crying affect your ability to spank. Spank while there is still hope for your child. That one's terrifying. Spank, the Bible says, while there is yet hope. That means one day you may be without hope and there's no more disciplining you can do. Spanking will drive foolishness out of your child's heart. That means there's foolishness in your child. Your child's not all that. They're cute, they're sweet, but there's still some dumbness in them. Spanking will get it out of them. Spanking will keep your child from dying prematurely. Spanking will save your child from hell. Spanking will produce wisdom in your child. Now that's a miracle. Whip them on the rump and they get smart. That may ought to motivate some of you to go home and whip your kids right now. Amen. (laughs) Spanking will put wisdom in your child. Spanking will give your soul rest. Every parent could use more of that. Fathers, your children are a reflection of your character, nature, discipline, attitude, and even carnality. Set your child up for success, not failure. Set them up to love Jesus and obey Him. So that concludes our seventh lesson. Hopefully that helped you. Love you guys. We'll get ready for next service.